Hello everybody, my name is Boss Rutten. Hi, this is Diego Lima. This is Rodrigo Comprido And welcome to the Verbal Submission. I am your host, Brian Hemminger, and we have a fantastic show in store for you guys today. We will be joined in just a couple minutes by VFC heavyweight champion Daniel Gallimore. He is uh, defending his title on May 5th, which is this weekend on Friday. So keep an eye out for that. It will, I'm pretty sure it's airing on UFC Fight Pass as well. And then we'll also be joined by Nick Mamalis, longtime veteran of the sport. Uh, he is also competing on at VFC uh, 57, and he's in the co-main event. He'll be fighting for the vacant flyweight title. So got two title challengers or title fight participants on the show this weekend. It's a bit of a slow week in the world of MMA. Uh, we don't have any UFC shows uh, until next weekend after that. So... Uh, Let's get right to it. I mean, with no major MMA events going on, uh, let's talk boxing uh, with my wonderful co-host, Richard Highlight Perry. Richard, how you doing today, man? I'm I'm doing really well. Uh, How about that uh, that uppercut where you could actually see uh, Klitschko's soul leave his body? I could not believe he didn't go down from that. That was to me the hardest punch he landed the whole fight. Uh, but I mean, they were both just leaning in and then throwing a couple punches and then just wham. I mean, I, I honestly, I thought his head might've got disconnected if he hit it just, just a couple more Newtons of force, but, uh, Klitschko didn't go down, but then he did go down like two punches later. I mean, that was just that, that 11th round was insane. The whole fight was insane. I mean, that Mm -hmm. final punch would turn most people into a peasant dispenser. Um, there's no, I can't remember um, Klitschko ever getting hit like that. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. that's why he was able to stand up. But uh, yeah, I mean, heavyweight boxers do not mess around when they when you're throwing heat like that. Yeah, I mean, that's what you you, you always see like the guys it's so hard for them to land those big clean shots. But when they do, and then they see an opening, they just start unloading. I mean, because they were, you know, it was cautiously aggressive for most of the fight back and forth, really entertaining. But then he just took it up to another level. The second that uppercut landed and he could see that Klitschko, he was standing, but he wasn't, you know, the lights were on, but nobody was home type of situation. Uh, and they were landing big shots on each other. They both went mm-hmm. down earlier in the fight. Um, Klitschko was down earlier. Uh, then he rallied back uh, and battered AJ and uh, knocked him down with a big shot. Uh, it was just I, – I, I was never a fan of Klitschko. I knew he was a great fighter. But he was never, you know, someone that I had to go out and watch every single one of his fights. 
I was watching this to see a new star be born in AJ, and uh, Klitschko fought really against his normal tendencies and, and came out and put on a hell of a fight for a 41-year-old uh, heavyweight. Yeah, that's what a lot of people saw was this fight was kind of a, a changing of the guard. Is that what you uh, thought happened last, uh, on Saturday night? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say uh, it was a changing of the guard. Um, you're definitely getting a lot of rub, though. A lot of the, the heat that Klitschko had, um, and even more so because of the way the fight went and how it went, uh, it, it really is, it, like I said, AJ was born into stardom in, uh, inside mm-hmm. the world of boxing. Yeah. And uh, all right, I'm going to go grab our first guest, uh, head into the uh, screening room and get him. But while I'm doing that, um, I mean, yeah, people, they they saw the finish, but they didn't realize how close this fight was. I mean, I think Joshua was only winning on two out of the three scorecards heading into the 11th round. So it was still anybody's fight. So I want to get your thoughts on, you know, just where that fight kind of stands in uh, for out of heavyweight boxing fights for you while I go get uh, Daniel Gallimore? Well, I'm not a huge boxing fan. I'll, I'll say that outright. Um, it's probably the first heavyweight boxing match I've watched in years. I, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it is an of-the-year contender for for uh, fight of the year. Um Across combat sports, MMA, kickboxing, boxing. Um, and uh, I really do think that it was just a phenomenal. I mean, I'm watching the next fight. Uh, John, uh, Joshua, sorry. Uh, Joshua has next. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how his career progresses. Uh, not too often do you see somebody uh, go up against uh, Klitschko and just put on an absolutely world-class performance and just a phenomenally entertaining fight. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, heavyweight boxing has really needed a star uh, for years now. And, uh, you know, he's been selling and making absurd amounts of money, that being Joshua, uh, over in pretty much just England, I, I can't wait to see what he does when he is able to get over stateside and, and start putting on the really phenomenal, high-level, you know, Floyd Mayweather-level uh, events. I don't think we're going to see a $100 million event like Floyd Mayweather puts on, um, but I do think we're going to see some really big really compelling matchups for uh, Anthony Joshua going forward. Uh, he's got the entire country of England behind him. Um, not quite the same level of fame as uh, Conor McGregor type or, like I said, Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao, but this is heavyweight boxing. Everybody loves to see heavyweights in every sport, and um, yeah, I'm just thrilled that uh, – once again, we finally have someone to uh, to carry heavyweight boxing going forward. Klitschko is very compelling athletically and technically, 
but there's something about a big guy who's able to throw up bombs and really take punches because he, Joshua and Klitschko both took some huge shots during that fight. Um, both of them got downed at least once during the fight. Uh, Klitschko was downed uh, three times, not including the final flurry, which started with just an absurd uppercut that uh, if you watch the slow shot, you can actually see the sweat fly off his head. All right. It, it was the third time was the charm, Richard, but we got it. We have Daniel Gallimore on the line. So uh, without further ado, he is the victory fighting championship, heavyweight championship champion. He is defending that title this Friday, May 5th at BFC 57. Uh, Daniel Gallimore, welcome to the Verbal Submission. How you doing? Hey, you guys, how you doing? I'm doing all right. <laughs> uh, we're very, very happy. In the garage. Yeah. Hey, wherever you can find some uh, peace and quiet, right? Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, let's get rolling. I mean, there's so much I want to talk to you about. I mean, first things first, like myself, you were a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan growing up, right? I was. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I was a collector. I went and I had all the action figures. I had, like, all the different versions of the Turtles. Um, I had the, the the Turtle Wet Van. I had the Sewer Base. I mean, did you have all that stuff, or were you more, or you just wanted to, you were you just liked watching them, the cartoons and stuff? No, I, I mean, I had a lot of the toys and stuff. Um, when I was growing up, though, we uh, we didn't have a lot of money, and uh, we lived in mm-hmm. a really small town, so it was more. I was I was outside, you know, weather permitting. I was outside a lot of the times, so but I did have a lot of the the toy. I had the sewer, and I had the I think I had the wet van. Um, I don't even remember now. That was that was a long time ago. <laughs> I think I even had the the pizza shooting machine, which it was hilarious. Nice. It these little pizza discs, and it used the pizzas as weapons. Uh, now. Yeah, um, I remember that, also, the little the little gun thing and it, the, drop, yeah. the wheels dropped down in it. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, you were a big uh, WWF guy too, right? Back then. Uh, way back in the day. Yeah, uh, way you know, back, way back. A little, little, little kid. Um, my dad was pretty rowdy. Like that was just it was entertainment back then. You know, back that's when, I mean, Sting had multicolored face paint and camo mm-hmm. jeans and Vader and Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and. Back in that day, was there a particular wrestler uh, yeah. that you just identified with back then, or that you rooted for every time? Uh, probably Sting. I think Sting was probably my favorite. I'd uh, still like awesome. to do a Boston Crab in a fight because you know <laughs> the Scorpion Deathlock is a Boston Crab, and you can still do it in MMA. Yeah, and I'm sure that doesn't feel good. Like if they uh, twist that back just right. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm sure it's, it's miserable. We used to, I remember playing around when I was a kid. And it was uh, it was pretty bad. Like, and I, it's one of those things in MMA that it, it should definitely not be legal. But in order to pull it off, you know, it'd be kind of a freak deal. Mm-hmm. But I've landed in them in scrambles with just one leg, not both legs. But yeah, the half Boston crab. <laughs> yeah. Now I guess that's what you call it. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, let, let's talk about your your fighting career. I mean, you had what eighteen amateur fights before you decided to turn pro. I mean, that's a ton. I think it was actually a couple more than that. Um, oh, wow. That was a while back, and it was in different states. 
so they didn't mm-hmm. all report to the ABC. Uh, but I know there's like had a couple fights in Chicago that weren't on there. Uh, it might be missing one or two from Missouri. Uh, but yeah, it was something like that. 18 to, uh, I'd say, I'd say it's probably closer to 21, 22. Yeah. And I, and I know but you're a guy. Goal. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, my goal as an amateur, I wanted to be the number one amateur in the national rankings period, like all of them. And, uh, I got there and I was there for about a year and a half before I went pro. So that was my, my goal, I guess. And it was at the time, you know, it was just fun. It was a hobby. It wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't like a, I didn't ever think it was going to be occupation still, you know, like I didn't, like it's crazy for me today to look at the app on my phone, you know, and see my face. It's like, wow, it's, it's nuts. You know, I grew up in a town of 500 people. Like this is, this is crazy. People want my autograph. It's like, they want my, me to sign stuff, but that's, that's surreal to me. It's wild. Oh, it, it <laughs> definitely is. Now I know you're a guy that's primarily known for your heavy hands, but I mean, you pulled off what a Goga Plata back in your amateur days as a, a heavyweight that <laughs> cuts some weight to make the limit sometimes. Um, I, I can't wait now. Uh, I lost mm-hmm. to Alexander Huddleston and Bruce Redenbaugh as a pro. And at the time they were both significantly larger than me. So I, I knew how to fix that problem. But when I was an amateur, I, I was between, I don't know, probably 245 and 260. I wasn't as big then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did. I pulled off. A, it was a go-go plata with an arm bar at the same time. Like I, I took the arm. I had the, you know, the leg over the shoulder and then under the chin. But the, the shoulder I was over. I was also arm barring that at the same time. I was go-go plata, go-going the the neck. But yeah, I had some oh. some cool stuff. More rear naked chokes, nothing crazy. Um, but I land. I mean, go-go's. I'm big on go-go's. Good hip flexibility. Uh, omoplatas, um, twisters. Uh, Peruvian neckties. I mean, that's stuff that that I I hit a lot in practice. So that's not bad for a, a BJJ blue belt, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, I'm a BJJ blue belt. That was kind of a gifted thing because uh, I'm an AJJ black belt. So in mm-hmm. nogi, I do really well against high ranking guys. Um, in a nogi, in a gi situation, I don't. But I don't. I'm not. I don't ever really train in a gi. So yeah. But like against against lower level guys like you know blues and not lower level but like you know blues and purples I can hold my own even in a gi because that, my no gi is pretty good. So I was the, the schools. I mean like if I go to a school and I'm in there as a white belt, they don't want me looking good against the blues and purples from their school. So it was kind of a it wasn't like a, it was it was kind of a gifted deal. I, I didn't have any stripes in my white belt or anything like that. I don't hardly ever wear my gi. Um, most of what I do is no gi, but like I said, my mm-hmm. ability in a gi is decent because of my ability without a gi. Mm-hmm. And, and to be completely honest, I mean, no gi to me is better training for MMA anyway, because I mean, people aren't going to have, I mean, unless you're fighting in UFC one, I mean, you're not going to have a big, you know, towel wrapped around somebody to grab onto, to get a, a better hold for your submissions and stuff. So I completely no, understand. I, agree. I think Gee, I think Gee has his place. I think Gee yeah. is good. Um, I think it's, I would say overall, to train in a Gee is, is as good as it is to train boxing, um, you know, because it's got, like, you don't need everything from boxing either. You, there's not really any martial art that you can use every single detail from for MMA. Like, mm-hmm. They all have just little slightly tweaked rules and stuff. But I would say that, that training boxing is equivalent to training BJJ in a Gee. Um, the thing is, though, is as a heavyweight, 
they don't want to see us hug. They don't want to see us snugging and sweating and rolling around on the ground. They want to see us knock each other's heads off. So, and boxing pays. BJJ does not. So I started, mm-hmm. I went the boxing route and the striking and kickboxing and that stuff rather than going the, the struggle snuggle route. <laughs> <laughs> and it's paying off. Um, you, uh, you won the, the championship. You defended it this past uh, December, and now you've got a chance to defend it again um, this week. So, you're a guy, uh, how does it feel, you know, being nicknamed Big Kansas and, and fighting in Kansas? I know that you train out in Colorado, I think, but just uh, does it, is it like a homecoming a little bit for you? Uh, it is to an extent. You know, I got a lot of friends and family that come out and show support. Um, and there's people I don't even know that come out and show support just because I'm from Kansas, you know, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, so it is a homecoming in a sense, I have kids in Kansas, so I, when I go back, I see them and stuff, too. Uh, I go back pretty often, though, but I've trained all over. I've trained in California. I've trained in New Mexico. I've trained in Arizona. I've trained in Hawaii. um trained in Nevada. I've, I've trained all over the place at multiple camps. Um, but Colorado's home, and uh, it does – like, the, the camp here and stuff does what I need to do for almost all my fights. I, I don't know what – like, if I had a boxing bout coming up, I would probably – I would have to do some thinking on where I was going and whatnot because I don't know any, like, good boxing gyms out here. And I could be wrong. I just haven't been there yet. But, yeah, this is this is where I live now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely a homecoming because I've even got, like, man, my, my junior high science teacher is coming to the fight. <laughs> um, one of the wrestling coach to the high school I went to is coming to the fight. Uh, I mean, it's 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 pretty neat. Oh, definitely. Now, you're a guy that's kind of bounced around training your, your whole career. I mean, you, you trained in Hawaii. Um, I think you've trained in California at Alliance. You've done some work with Eric Prindle. And, and now you're at Elevation. Do you feel like, you know, you finally found a home with uh, the guys in Colorado? Well, I've been kind of a professional sparring partner for a while. Uh, Travis Brown and I are buddies, and Eric Prindle and I are buddies as well. So, you know, I've helped Travis in camp at Jackson's, and I've helped him in camp at Alliance. And then his last camp was in Nevada. Um, so, you know, I've trained with some of the greatest coaches out there with Travis, you know, as a, as a partner with Travis. And, uh, I mean, we, we became friends over time. And then Eric Prindle, you know, I actually met him on Bellator when he was in the tournament, and it was my Bellator debut. And he was, like, he's, like, the nicest guy ever. And I was like, wow, this is really cool, you know. And we uh, we chatted back and forth occasionally. He took a fight in Hawaii on Pancrase, and now I lived out there at the time. So I was like, hey, dude, I was like, anything let me know. Uh, so he did. And we trained daily every day, a couple hours a day. And we're, we're hanging out and stuff. Cause I was only working a night shift doing security stuff. So I was, I was free during the day. And then, uh, after that, then I got to fight with Abe and Eric has fought Abe and beat Abe. So I called him. And I was like, Hey, you know, I could, what do you think about this? Cause he was wanting to help me out and, uh, like insistent on it since I helped him in Hawaii. But so I ended up staying with him in Prescott Valley, Arizona, which is a higher elevation camp that we trained at uh, Average Joe's with one of his catch wrestling coaches. And then we train, we would drive to Phoenix a few days a week and train at MMA lab. So that was pretty awesome too, you know, working with Coach Crouch and um, Mackenzie Dern was there. Ben Henderson was there. Rob Emerson's there. I mean, there's so many good fighters there. Ashley Gooch, Jeremy Kimball, who's now in the UFC, and then me and mm-hmm. Eric were all like partnered up as the heavyweights, but it worked out really well. Yeah. And when, when you were out in Hawaii, I got to know, who were you out there, you know, training with? Because I know Hawaii has a lot of great talent in MMA, but I, I, I can't think of one guy that's less than, 
or that's bigger than 155 pounds that fights out of Hawaii? I mean, other than maybe Cabbage Carrera. <laughs> uh, there's some pretty big boys out there, and even yeah. some of the smaller guys. You know, Hawaiians, Polynesians in general, they they, they love to bang. You know, they're super tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, fighting is still kind of part of the culture out there because martial arts is big out there because they they don't have the gun laws are strict and stuff and like they still they still settle things the way it should be you know kind of an old school way <laughs> they, you know, they'll fight and then after it's done they shake hands and talk story it's great I, I loved every bit of it um, but Scott Junk's out there uh, Kenneth Heffernan is a heavy, heavyweight sumo he's a uh, he's on the world team like he's he's unreal to grapple with it's ridiculous. And then, um, I mean, there was a couple of big boys around. I had I, the coaches out there were really good, but as far as sparring partner goes, um, it, it was limited. But it's limited almost anywhere, you know. Like even here in Colorado, I've got four or five guys that are are pretty solid and steady, but not. It's not like we have a team of heavyweights. You know, they just don't mm-hmm. they don't make athletes that big, I guess. Yeah, well, well one of those heavyweights. Anyway. Yeah, one of those heavyweights is uh, Curtis Blades, who I think is a guy on the serious rise in the UFC. So that must be a, a nice help to be working with him on a semi-regular basis, considering uh, his grappling credentials and, and that, the, you know, if, if he can't take you down, nobody can take you down. I think. And I think Curtis can take about anybody down. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> his wrestling is, is ridiculous. And he's just, he's a massive specimen. Great guy too. Great partner. Um, I was just out with him last night. Awesome dude. But, yeah, I mean, he's out here, and then Josh Copeland's out here. Um, there's a newer guy named uh, Tony Darling that comes, that drives in. He has, like, four hours he's trained with us. Um, he drives in. He lives almost to Utah on I-70. But he'll drive in and train with us. He's, he's going to be doing good things, too. You know, he's he's kind of a smaller heavyweight, but, um, like, he pinned his way through state wrestling, and he just made his pro debut, and he won the first round on out here on SCL. So I, I can see big things coming from him, too. Um. And then I've got guys that want to come out here and train with me too. A guy I previously fought, um, Shane Grant, they call him Bubba, but Shane's out here as well. And he's a, he's an excellent training partner. And then Jeremy Kimball, who's down in the UFC, he's a light heavyweight, but he walks like 225, you know. So he's he's a not a bad sized guy. He's got a really unorthodox style, but he's in uh, Colorado Springs, so that's pretty close too. And I've got a really good relationship with those guys. With the, he's got a cool little gym, and you know his dad is is actually who taught him, and his dad is an awesome guy. So that works out pretty well too. <clears throat> but yeah, Curtis is, I would say, my main partner. Curtis and Josh, Com- Josh Copeland are my main partners out here at Elevation. It's kind of a, it's kind of mismatch though. On wrestling days, he gets the better of me than on on big glove sparring days. I get the better of him. So it works out pretty well for both of us. So you know, I kind of he helps me with the wrestling aspect, and then I help him with the striking aspect. So yeah, his he's he's a beast for sure. His last fight was pretty ridiculous, throwing that guy around. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, I got a question here from my co-host. He wanted to know, uh, what did you get from uh, training with uh, the sumo guy? Uh, he knows that, uh, you know, Lyoto Machida had a, a background in sumo as well. It's kind of a, an interesting art to train or work with. Uh, I didn't I didn't do sumo. Um, yeah. But he is on a world team. Ken is on a world team. His mm-hmm. ability, his grappling ability, like his strength and his like, stability and kinesthetic awareness is crazy. Like, and it, it's his is awesomely strong. Like, and you have to be like, as a big guy, your, your technique can usually be compensated for by size and power, uh, or just leverage in general. But when you go against a guy like that, if it's not flawless, you're going to be on your back. Like Mm -hmm. you're going for a ride. 
Um, and then I, I lived with him a few times and I mean, it was, it was really cool. He's a super nice guy too. Um, I try and be pretty particular about training partners. I can't stand training partner, you know, uh, practice heroes. That stuff drives me crazy. But yeah, Kenna's an excellent guy. And, yeah, we just did some strength and stuff and then just some grappling stuff. You know, he's just a great partner because he's so strong. He's such a big body that if you can move him, if you can move a guy like that around, then you've got no problem moving anybody else around. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Now, uh, only got a couple questions. Stuff. Yeah, only got a couple questions left, Daniel. Um, this is upcoming fight. You know, you were actually originally supposed to face, uh, I think, uh, Alassane or I'm, I'm trying to remember yeah, who it was originally. Yeah, yeah, and then and now you're you're taking on Daniel James. So was that much of a, a change with uh, preparation or anything? So what what, what do you think of uh, uh, James? I mean, it was, it was a little late to change preparation, really. Um, mm-hmm. I've already I've leaned up quite a bit. I'm in pretty good shape because I expected, you know, Razak is a smaller guy. He was a 205er before. He's uh, really good on his feet. He's light. He's, he's uh, taekwondo, kind of a karate background. He's really unorthodox, really clean, fast striking. So I was trying to be light on my feet as well. <laughs> Daniel, however, is kind of the opposite. He's a great big guy, and uh, he's not as clean on his technique, but he's big and strong and powerful. So I had to adjust some things more and more game plan than anything. Cause I, like I said, there's only like two weeks out. It's not like I can bulk up or do anything else. <laughs> so we'll see what happens Friday. I'm pretty confident though. Curtis actually oh, fought him too. Curtis beat him in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Curtis and Daniel have trained together in Chicago because Curtis is originally from Chicago. So you know, that's kind of a, an added bonus too, but Curtis still trains with him occasionally. So I don't want to, I don't, I'm not asking Curtis to call. What do you think I should do? You know, or anything like that. I don't want to put him in that position. Well, that's nice of you. And uh, I guess uh, one of my last questions here is, uh, you know, I think the obvious one, UFC is always looking for new heavyweights. Uh, if you go out there and take care of business, do you think they might come calling, especially on a, another show that's on that fight pass, gets a good audience? Uh, I think they, it's a good chance. Um, a lot of Victory guys, you know, Victory's got a reputation of, of passing guys on to the UFC. Mm-hmm. So, I think the the victory belt is kind of a, a key to the UFC per se, and you know this would be my second title defense, so it's definitely uh, got me on the radar, I'm sure. And that, and then like you know, I've trained with a lot of really good guys and a lot of renowned coaches, so that doesn't hurt either. You know, I got a lot of contacts, a lot of networking, which is awesome. So that's definitely a, a bonus for me. Oh, definitely, and and I want to wish you the absolute best of luck with that. And uh, before we let you go, did you have any? Uh... Shout-outs, trainers, sponsors, anybody that's really helped you along the way. want to give a shout-out to your mama. Be my guest. Uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> um, I mean, Robert Carver is my business manager. He helps out tons. I don't have all my sponsors listed right here, and I, I hate to, to say a couple and leave some of them out. Um, mm-hmm. My Facebook is big Kansas, or Facebook.com backslash BigKansas. On Instagram, it's Big underscore Kansas. On Twitter, I think it's Can- Big Kansas 65. Yep. Um, I, mean, I have a personal Facebook page too, but I'm I max out frequently, so try. I'm I'm just letting the followers stack up now. The the request. There's not much else I can really do. All right. Uh, excellent. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, oh wait, ahead. you got more? If you got more, have at it. No. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't have. I don't have my my shorts. I need my shorts. It's my visual. Ah. Because yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go to the garage. <laughs> No, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. That's all right. No problem. Um, 
Well, just thank you so much for stopping by the show, Daniel. I think you're a fascinating specimen in the heavyweight division with a, a bright future, and I'm really looking forward to your fight on Friday and uh, excited about the, the things to come. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a good evening. Yep. You have a, a terrific rest of your night, Daniel. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. That was Daniel. Big Kansas Gallimore stopping by the verbal submission. Man, I, I – He's he's just really interesting dude. He's been everywhere. He's got a, an, an interesting history. He smashes dudes in a minute. Uh, what what did you think? Highlight. I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, just going out and and getting that many looks. I mean, grappling with the with the uh, sumo wrestler of that level. Um, I don't know uh, if you've ever grappled with uh, anyone that's done judo. They're just an absurd. They're just strong in ways that don't make sense. And I have the sense that sumo is probably uh, a more intense version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, this is a very winnable fight for him this weekend. And if he takes care of business, would not be shocked one bit to see the UFC come calling. Um, well, they are always, I'll be, yeah. I would, I'll be really frank with you. I, I think, uh, He's got more than a chance. Uh, Daniel mm-hmm. James, uh, on paper, has a pretty solid record, but uh, his last win was over a, uh, a now three and four fighter, um, and uh, before that, uh, he hadn't had a win in almost two years. So, oh, wow. uh, so he's. I think Daniel Gallimore just just you know doing a little bit of napkin MMA math. I, I think he's got it. Oh, good to hear. Good to hear. All right. Well, um, I'm going to go try to get our next guest on the line, uh, Nick Mamelis. He is also participating this weekend at VFC 57. He's fighting for the, what title was that? The the flyweight title. He's dropping down to flyweight. I think this is only his second career fight at flyweight. So really excited to talk to Nick, guy that's been around for, in that fight game professionally for over 10 years now. So I'm going to go get him on the line. Uh, Richard, I don't know what you want to talk about, but uh, I'll, I'll leave you hanging and just let you ramble for a little bit while I go try to get Nick. And uh, for those of you guys uh, that are listening that don't know uh, Nick Mamelis, uh he's actually competed in some of the earliest Bellator, uh, you know, tournaments just yeah, I believe he was on Bellator 20, like one of the earliest ones. And um, he's been in the game forever. He, he fought uh, Zach Makovsky, which uh, that's just a, a rough person to run into. Um, you know, uh, as a uh, young fighter, um, he's a you know, long-time veteran, been fighting since about 2006. Uh, and he made his debut in September of 2006 against uh, Rafael Asuncao. And, um, you know, that's another just a buzzsaw you're running into. So he has quite the record, you know, 28-11. And um, he's a a real veteran. And it's kind of stunning that he hasn't had his crack at the UFC. But uh, hopefully uh, with this uh, title, shot he's getting um the ufc takes a 
strong look at them off of a victory because they need flyweights so badly. And do you have them on the line yet, Brian? Not quite yet. So, um, VFC is on May 5th. um, Friday, May 5th, available on UFC Fight Pass. And um, there are a ton of great cards coming out of I'm sorry, a ton of great fights on the card coming out of Kansas City. And uh, our previous uh, guest was uh, on that, is going to be on that card. And um, there's going to be two title fights on there. Well, well, uh, well, Brian, um, Yes, Nick on the line. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it took a while. We had to play a little bit of phone tag. But uh, without further ado, let's bring in our final guest for the evening. He is an over 10-year veteran of the sport. He is competing for the Victory FC flyweight title, the vacant title, this weekend, May 5th on Friday at Victory FC 57. Uh, Nick Mamelis, welcome to the Verbal Submission. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a, it's an honor. Now, uh, Nick, before we get talking about fighting, I got to talk about your uh, Verizon playback. I, I was not <laughs> expecting classical music uh, when I was when we decided to call you. So, uh, was that your idea, or is that something that just came with the uh, with the, the the ring back, like automatic? Did you choose that yeah, one? Yeah, I, I think that's it. just. No, that's just the default. I've uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess I need to get on that. Change it, huh? Oh, I was like, man, this guy—he's got some refined tastes. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that's not the case. So, if you had your ideal ringback music, what would it be? Oh, uh, I don't '80s, '80s music, something, something '80s. <laughs> now, like Duran Duran style '80s, or like glam hair metal '80s. I mean, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. Oh, the there 80s. we go. Michael Jackson, I don't know. It's all good stuff. Kenny Loggins. Oh, Danger Zone, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see it now. Just Please wait while we're reaching Nick Mamelis. Our way to the Danger Zone. <laughs> oh, good, that'd be huh? great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's get talking about this uh, upcoming event and everything. I mean, you've been, you've been around the game for a long time now, but – you only recently decided to, to drop down to the flyweight division, right? Yeah. Um, actually, this just within the, this year, I've been more active mm-hmm. at flyweight. So I feel a lot better there. It's just been, I guess, the weight's just taking some time to develop, really, I guess, here in the States, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the UFC didn't even add the division until uh, a few years ago. But uh, now it's trucking along. I mean, the, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world to flyweight. So it seems like... Uh, it's it's slowly but steady, but they're uh, at least at the high level, it's great. It's still maybe got a work in progress on the the regional circuit for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely still hard to uh, find fights. You know, it's hard to get matched up with guys at 25 with a few fights under their belt. So uh, I'm excited in the direction it's going, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, did you ever, you know? 
feel overpowered at times in the bantamweight division, knowing that you might that you probably could make the one twenty five limit? I definitely feel like I didn't have as much uh, mass on me as some of the other mm-hmm. fighters. I I don't know that I was at a huge disadvantage at that weight, but I feel better at twenty five. That's definitely my new home. Yeah, and, and despite that, you know, being a bit undersized, I mean, you still have rattled off twenty eight wins. <laughs> that's that's incredible to me, and 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 you're still thirty years old. So I mean, you're a guy that's that's been around the block, but you know, you still definitely got some uh, father time still giving you plenty of time left. I would think. Yeah, I hope so. I think uh, I had some gaps in there where I wasn't as active fighting and. Mm-hmm. Step back, so I think that's kind of helped me stay healthy. Here's like I've aged a bit, but uh, hopefully I've still got some years left. Mm-hmm. Now, were those gaps uh, from like between like in 2014 and then a little bit in uh, 2016? What was what was going on there? Oh, just uh, family life, having kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So staying busy at home with family and took a little time out of the cage. Yeah, and a lot of times I see guys uh, take some time off and then they they come back just as as good as ever, maybe just uh, allowing those old nagging injuries to heal and uh, just kind of refreshing the batteries a little bit too, right? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for me at least, it gave me time to kind of self-assess and take a look at, you know, some of the things that have hurt me in the past and and where I want to be going forward. And I don't know, kind of like you said, recharge the batteries. It's like a new, uh, new start. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's talk about your, your last fight. I think that that was a flyweight fight against Nick Urso. And that's a guy that's, you know, no joke. He trains out of Greg Jackson's gym. Uh, you know, he's been in there against some really tough fighters. And you took him out early in the second round by TKO. I mean, that was that was impressive. Yeah, that was definitely a fight I was looking forward to. You know, we heard a lot of good things about him. And like you said, he's fought tough guys. He He's from a great camp, so we thought that would be a quality win and a fight that we thought we could win. So we're happy to go in there and get that matchup. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this time around, you're, you're fighting for victory. I know it's your uh, opponent's hometown, kind of, but uh, for you, actually, this is a bit of a homecoming of sorts as well because uh, back in 2010, I believe, you won the Victory FC Bantamweight title before, uh, you know, you had your, uh, you know, I mean, that yeah, December 2010. So this is, I think, your first fight with them since then. Yeah. Um, shortly after that, I signed with Bellator, so I, I gave up the belt, and then it's just never really worked out for getting back up there. But I'm definitely mm-hmm. excited to be back in their cage. I like that promotion, and it's going to be a good time. Uh, definitely going to be. Now, uh, do you kind of feel like this – uh, move to, to 125 could kind of re-energize your career a little bit? I mean, you've had a nice run, but it you haven't been able to, to string along like, you know, that, that huge winning streak that uh, kind of gets somebody noticed by, say, Joe Silva or somebody in the UFC. Do you think that if if things go the right way, that, that this could be uh, the beginning of a, a beautiful thing in the in the flyweight division? Uh, that's my hopes. You know, going forward here, I'm undefeated right now in the flyweight division. I'm 2-0. and Stopped both my mm-hmm. opponents. And I'm just looking to build on that and hopefully make a run at, you know, the UFC or something of that sort. Now, uh, 
something I, I definitely want to touch on when you were first dropping down to flyweight, just trying to look up and see if I could find any information. And one of the people that was really pushing for you hard was uh, Shane Carwin, former UFC uh, heavyweight uh, interim champ. So do you train with him or anything or how, how do you know Shane? Cause he was like pushing you hard. Yeah. I met Shane um, when I was actually down in Denver training at grudge uh, when Shane was still fighting. He was, Mm-hmm. in the UFC at the time when I met him and he's got a new uh he's got a company now EPO Collective and I'm signed with him and he's helping me look for fights so that's a good thing I hope and it's been good great so far I've been busy this year and I, I like the way it's going so yeah it's your third fight already of 2017 and, and it, I got to tell you if I was another fighter and Shane Carwin told me I had to fight Nick Mamelis or else I think I'd fight Nick Mamelis you know <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather deal with me than Shane, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, let's talk about your uh, opponent, Kevin Gray. I mean, this guy, you know, he's pretty talented. He has a, an 8-3 and three record. He's fighting in his hometown. He's got a, a nice mix of submission wins and decision wins. You know, what, what are you kind of expecting in there against him? Yeah, I think he's a, you know, he's a tough guy. Obviously, nobody's finished. I think he's got one knockout loss on his record. But other than that, it looks like most of his wins are decisions, just grind him out, gritty. I know he wrestled, uh, so that's the kind of fight I'm expecting, just a tough, gritty, grind, uh, ugly fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, my co-host here had a couple of questions for you, so I'm going to ask them. First things first, he wanted to know, in all capitals, where did Garfield come from as a nickname? <laughs> uh, I had a roommate uh, right after college, and he would get up early and go to work. When he'd come home, I'd be sleeping on the couch or wherever, and he said I'd always be curled up like a cat. So we went to a fight <laughs> one time, and he finished up my paperwork and thought it'd be funny to slip Garfield in as my nickname, and it just kind of stuck from there. So. Oh, that's great. Now – he also wants to know when you say we, when you're talking about your training, who are uh, you know the team of coaches and everything that you use with your your camp and your corner right now? Uh, I'm training out of my hometown, Green River, Wyoming, and mm-hmm. really it's just a group of uh, anyone who's willing to go in with me at this point. I, my old wrestling coach uh, Art Castillo up at Western Wyoming Community College, he helps me out a bunch, and uh, some friends. Justin Salas comes through every now and then, holds mitts for me, puts me through workouts. So, really, anyone and everyone that's willing to get in there with me is my training camp at this point. And then uh, something that he wanted to bring up was there's not many people that have, you know, a career that spans uh, 40 fights, and their first fight was against a guy currently ranked in the top five in the UFC Vantamweight division. So he's like, what is it, what was it like taking on Rafael Asuncao in your pro debut? Uh, honestly, I didn't I didn't even know who he was at the time. So yeah. um, I, I hadn't really had any fights. I hadn't trained anything yet, so I didn't know what to expect. It was going pretty good, and then I got caught in my first armbar and learned pretty quick what jiu-jitsu was. So mm-hmm. uh, it was it was a good experience, though. Oh, excellent, excellent, and. Uh, obviously, heading into this upcoming title fight, you're going to have a huge experience edge um, uh, against Gray. Uh, but where else do you think you might have uh, an advantage over him? 
I think my stand-up is better than his. Uh, I'm obviously a little bit longer than he is. I got the reach. I think I'm a little bit uh, quicker, more explosive with my hands. And as far as jiu-jitsu goes, I think I, I probably edge him out a little bit in that, that department. But um, other than that, I, I think it's a pretty, pretty good fight. It would be pretty evenly matched. So. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, obviously this is your third fight now already of 2017. Do you kind of have a, a goal on how many fights you want to have this year? Any, anything specific you really want to accomplish by the uh, end of the year? Uh, if at all possible, by the end of the year, I'd like to be in UFC or signing with some big promotion, you know. I want to stay as busy and active as I can and keep them rolling in. Well, you're definitely off to a good start with uh, getting a, a fight televised on uh, or streaming on Fight Pass. So should get some eyes on you for sure for this upcoming one. And uh, yeah, definitely. I think that's yeah, I think that's about everything I had for you, Nick. So uh, before we let you go, though, did you have any uh, shout outs, trainers, sponsors, uh, the kids back home? Uh, we'll leave the, the floor to you. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank you know EPU. ETU Collective for helping me get fights and get going here again this year. Um, all the people have been working out with me, training with me, my corners for traveling with me all over the states, and uh, my wife for putting up with the weight cuts and all of that. So everyone who uh, plays such a big part in this, thank you. Oh, wonderful. Well, uh, thank you so much for stopping by the show, Nick. We really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck against uh, Kevin Gray this Friday at uh, BFC 57 for that vacant flyweight title. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, you have a terrific rest of your night. You too. All right. That was Nick Garfield Mammalus stopping by the verbal submission. I know you love that nickname highlight. <laughs> I mean, I was just curious on the backstory. Um, yeah. there, there, this had to be some weirdness there. Like, there's, you know, I'm sure you've heard about uh, Robert Whitaker being upset about the nickname going around for him. And uh, uh, what's the, yeah, fighters. What's Whitaker's once nickname, nickname going sticks, around? Uh, Bobby Knuckles. People have been calling him Bobby Knuckles. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know about. Uh... Uh, bloody knuckles, you said. Bobby. Like, oh, Bobby. Uh, for Robert. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because as far as I remember, he had uh, the Reaper too, right? I mean, that's the one that most people have been calling him. When did the Bobby Knuckles thing start? Uh right after he uh, he uh, took uh, took out his uh, took out. Uh, oh my God! I keep thinking you are with me, and I know it's Jacqueline. Um, yeah, he, right after people were calling him uh, Bobby Knuckles. <laughs> well, the picture for him on on Wikipedia, I mean, he's showing off the knuckles right there <laughs> in a tuxedo. It's a, it's a, it's a great nickname. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Bruce Buffer say that and see him get so mad. <laughs> well, he, he, he does not like the nickname. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he, he wants people to call him, you know, Reaper, the Reaper. But um, so he gets to pick what Buffer calls him. That's about mm-hmm. it. Oh, that's great. 
love it. I, I had no idea about the Bobby Knuckles thing until you brought it up. So that just, it just makes me smile. I love it. I hope he. I hope he, yeah. I hope it grows on him. I really do. I know that not yeah, everybody uh, loves their nicknames. Like Frank Trigg hated Twinkle Toes. But um, I know. Uh, I know it originated with Patrick Wyman. I think. I think mm-hmm. he, he came up with it, and then it just it became a thing almost immediately. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well. I, I think with no UFC events this weekend, no uh, nothing major coming up, uh, uh, is, that's about going to do it for today's show. Um, did you have anything you wanted our listeners to, to check out? Um, nothing in particular. Um, I will plug my favorite vodka, Russian Standard Vodka. Uh, there we go. The uh, best, stuff, best stuff on the market. Awesome. And for me, I got nothing major to plug, except uh, you can find Paige Van Zandt's deleted sexy Reebok video. It was too hot for Twitter. Uh, she posted a, just a cheesy uh, video on Twitter trying to promote the latest black and white like Reebok line. And she was like showing off her underwear, her abs, uh, rolling around on the floor saying, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. And, and she... She caught a lot of flack for it, so much so that she deleted the video. But it was too late for the internet. Once it's out there, it's out there. So it's already on Facebook or it's already on uh, YouTube. So if you want to find it, you can find it. Paige Van Zandt's. It's literally called Paige Van Zandt's deleted sexy Reebok video. So highly recommend I, I do watching wanna... just just for the sexy cringe factor. Okay, the the thing I suggest everybody check out, not so much the video, the video is fine, but just check out the replies to it. That's <laughs> where the real entertainment is going yes. to be. Uh, there is a great article, I think it's on uh, MMA Junkie, uh, with the uh, fighters' responses to it. And, I mean, it was, it was great. Let's see here. We had uh, Angela Hill says... Just call 1-800-HOT-GIRL and talk to real live girls. We can't freaking wait to answer your call. Call now. <laughs> and then uh, who else? Uh, Lauren Murphy. I thought that was fake. I really thought it was a fake ad. It's not. Ben Askren. Wow, hilarious. When does the X-rated version drop? So just a couple of the responses to uh, poor Paige Van Zant. <laughs> but yeah, you can find it if you want. It's it's hilarious. And uh, what was it? Let's see. Yeah, uh, YouTube comment. Not my proudest fap. So can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. So yeah, I think that'll just about do it for today's show. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, The Verbal Submission. You can check out my other podcasts at odds podcast on Wednesday nights at 9 PM. Um, and I think, you know, what time it is, Mr. Highlight. It is code angle time. Baby.